Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. People are watching how we deal with those fiery trials in our lives. People are watching how we're handling that thorn in our flesh. And here's the thing. They want us to be victorious. You know why? Because if we're victorious, that gives them hope in their trials with their thorns to also be victorious. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. As followers of Jesus, we have many eyes on us, watching how we handle difficult situations. And as Pastor J.D. teaches, this is for a purpose. For when we go through trials and others see how God sustains us through them, it gives hope to those who are lost or broken. Our trials can serve to benefit others. So while we may not know the purpose, God does have a plan. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. It says Paul's opponents, the most eminent apostles mentioned in 2 Corinthians 11.5 and 12.11, were in ministry, at least partly, for the money. They could not bear the fact that Paul didn't care about money in the ministry, so they assigned their motives to him. Paul proves that the charge he is being crafty is false. He reminds the Corinthian Christians that neither Paul nor any of his associates had ever behaved in a financially inappropriate way before the Corinthians. Here's the bottom line. Paul... Titus et al. were all walking in purity. They were walking in integrity, and this by virtue of the fact that they were walking according to the Spirit. Maybe you've heard it said that it's the how of the Holy Spirit that enables us to do the what of the Holy Word. In other words, absent the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, there's no hope of living a holy life absent the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the how of the Holy Spirit that enables us, empowers us in order for us to live a holy life. But there's a prerequisite, if you will, and that prerequisite is is that we have to be in step with the Spirit. We have to be walking and living according to the Spirit. Perhaps better said, we need to be in sync with the Spirit. When we walk according to the Spirit, we'll be in step with the Spirit, and as such, we won't, can't walk according to the flesh. The Apostle Paul expounds on this in his epistle to the church in Rome, in Romans 8, great chapter by the way, Romans 8, one of my favorite. If you ever are doubtful or questioning of the love that God has for you, and by the way, when you're in the middle of a trial, the enemy is right there to start planting seeds of doubt and thoughts in your mind 
which is why it's so important to take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ and his word. But the enemy will say things to you like, what kind of a God is this that you serve? Look, look how he's treating you. I think of John the Baptist who had a horrendous crisis of faith there in prison, so much so that he really began to question whether or not Jesus was really the Messiah. Because certainly if Jesus was the Messiah, I wouldn't be here. And so he sends his disciples to go to Jesus with a message, and the message is basically like this. Um, Are you the one, or is there one coming after you? And the Savior's response is very interesting because he says, go back and tell John what I've done. The sick are healed, the blind see, and blessed is he who is not offended in me. What does that mean? In other words, John, you go back and tell John that regardless of the circumstances you're in, regardless of the jail you're in, regardless of the trial you're in, I am no less the Messiah in that place. Yes, you're doubting, you're, you're questioning, it's a crisis of faith. Sometimes there are those who have a crisis of faith because they know that God in an instant could deliver them from their situation, but doesn't. And so the doubt is, maybe God doesn't love me. Or worse yet, maybe God is angry with me. And that's the worst thing that you can do is to start doubting God's love for you and start believing that God is angry with you. Just because you're in the midst of the trial of your life does not mean that you're not in the midst of God's will for your life. I think of when Jesus sent the disciples into the boat onto the Sea of Galilee to meet them on the other side. And in the midst of that Sea of Galilee, as it often happens, a storm came, a perilous storm came, and they were in a life and death situation. And of course, we know that Jesus came and approached them. Peter said, bid me come. Peter actually miraculously walked on water. But Jesus knowingly sent them into that storm. Here they are in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, in the midst of the storm of their life, yet they're right smack in the middle of God's will for their life. Never think that just because your circumstances are so perilous, that storm, that trial that you're in is so perilous, that you're not in God's will. In fact, I would argue Conversely, the opposite sometimes can be true. When things are going really well, oh, hey, things are going well, I must be in God's will. Not so fast. Not so fast. Sometimes it's those perilous storms that we're in that are a reminder of the fact that we're in God's will for our lives. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 8, verses 1 and 5. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation, no guilt, to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, 
but according to the Spirit. For those, verse 5, who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. This was the problem within the church in Corinth. They were carnal Christians. They were worldly Christians. And they were walking and they were living according to the flesh. I would suggest that like with the Corinthians, we too, in our carnality, need to be brought back to the Lord, brought back in step with the Spirit of the Lord. And oftentimes the way God does that is by way of those fiery trials. That fiery trial that I'm in serves the purpose of getting me back in step with the Spirit. And think about it this way. If I'm walking in step, let's say I'm holding my daughter's hand and she has a shorter stride than me, um, and I'm walking in step with her, I can't be walking in step with anyone else. I'm either in step with, in sync with, according to the Spirit, going this direction, or I'm walking in and according to, in step with the flesh, going in that direction. It's one or the other. When we're told that if we're walking in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh, you know what that means? You can't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If you're so busy in the Spirit, so in sync with the Spirit, so living in the Spirit, you won't be able to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You can't. It's impossible. Jesus in Matthew 6 said, you cannot serve two masters. It's either one or the other. It's either God or mammon. You can't go both directions at the same time. It's either or. He doesn't say you shouldn't serve two masters. He says you cannot. It's an impossibility. You cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh if you're in sync with and in step with the Spirit. And if you really think about it, this is the problem that God has. I don't mean to imply that God has problems. I'm just saying that, well, we're his problem in the sense that the problem he has is, how is he going to get us back in the Spirit and out of the flesh? And oh, how we oftentimes are in the flesh. I know, not you. I'll speak for myself, okay? How's he going to get me out of the flesh and back in the Spirit? Oh, he brings the trial. He brings the trial to get me back in step, to get me to return to him, change my direction. And he doesn't use condemnation. There's no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. God took all of the condemnation, all of the guilt, all of the damnation, and put it on his only begotten son on that cross 2,000 years ago. That's why there's no more condemnation for us. And God is not angry with us. This has actually served as a litmus test for me in my life, in my walk with the Lord. This is how I'm able to discern whether or not it's the Lord or not. See, condemnation will distance me from God. 
whereas conviction will draw me near to God. In other words, when growing up, if I knew my dad was mad at me, which was a lot, <laughs> I would try to be asleep at night when he got home, and I would try to avoid him in the morning because I didn't want to be subjected to his anger and wrath. And so it put distance between me and him. Because if I'm thinking God's angry with me, then I'm going to keep my distance from him. You know, he's, he's angry. That's not the Lord. He's not angry. He's not angry with us. The Holy Spirit's conviction is the antithesis of condemnation. The conviction is what draws me near to the Lord, brings me back in step with the Spirit of the Lord, whereas condemnation draws me away from the Lord. And that's the litmus test. This brings us to verse 19, where we find our second truth concerning trials. And it's that they can be, and this is interesting, and I really need for you to think this through with me, but the trials can be for the benefit of someone else, as well as for myself. Listen to what Paul says in verse 19. He starts off by asking the Corinthian Christians if they think he's been defending or even excusing himself when, in fact, he's spoken before God in Christ. And then Paul, calling them dear friends, <laughs> goes on to say, that everything they do has been for the edifying and strengthening of the Corinthians. What? Paul, what do you, you mean everything that you've been through? Yeah. Well, what's the everything that Paul is referring to that's been for their betterment and for their benefit? Oh, remember the list in the previous chapter, chapter 11? Let me read verses 23 through 28. Here's everything. That was for their benefit. He says, are they ministers of Christ speaking again of the fake apostles, the super apostles? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. That's in the ocean. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. That's the everything he's talking about. Here's what Paul's saying to him. You guys, everything I've been through on this list was for you. It was to edify you. It was to encourage you. It was to strengthen you in your faith. I went through all of this for you, for your betterment. One of the things 
I'm learning in my own walk with the Lord is that sometimes my trials, though chiefly for my betterment, are also for the betterment of other people. And let me explain why that is. People are watching our lives. People are watching how we deal with those fiery trials in our lives. People are watching how we're handling that thorn in our flesh. And here's the thing. They want us to be victorious. You know why? Because if we're victorious, that gives them hope in their trials with their thorns to also be victorious. Many years ago, I I heard it said this way. People are asking two questions when they watch our lives, whether they're a believer or not. You know, the Apostle Paul says we're living epistles, we're living letters. People read our lives. They read the letter of our, and they're watching very closely. And there's really two questions that they're asking. Number one, is it real? Are you the real deal? Is your faith real? Is your Christianity real? And the second question is, does it work? And, oh, by the way, they want it to work. Because if it works in your life, it gives them hope for their life. They want to see you be victorious in and through this fiery trial because they're going through a fiery trial too. They want to see you in victory in that marriage difficulty that you have, that parenting difficulty that you have, that financial difficulty that you have. They want you to be victorious because if you're victorious, then they too can be victorious. And if it's real, if you're the real deal, if your faith is the real deal, and your Christianity works, then they're going to want that for their lives. That's what Paul is saying. You've watched me, Corinthians, and you know me. You know me personally. I spent a year and a half with you. And you've watched me with this thorn in the flesh for 14 years. And you've seen God's strength manifested in my weakness. You've seen that all-sufficient grace of God manifested in my life. And I'm walking in victory. I know you're watching me. I know you're watching my life. Well, I need to move quickly here. The last truth concerning trials is that they give us a much-needed compassion for others. In verse 20, Paul says he fears that when he comes, he's going to find contentions and jealousies, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, backbiting, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. How would you like to go to that church? Calvary Chapel, Corinth. Wow. In verse 21, he says, he fears that God will humble him when he visits them because he'll be so grieved if he finds them in this way. 
He will mourn over them not repenting of their uncleanness, fornication, and debauchery. It's actually the specificity concerning sexual immorality here is very telling. And this again is why this Corinthian church in that city of Corinth, it was very corrupt. It would make Las Vegas look like a Christian city. <laughs> well, not, not, not necessarily, but you kind of get the picture there, just trying to put it into perspective. Sin city. Sin City, all kinds of debauchery, carnality, and it got into the church. So let me see if I got this straight. Paul is saying that he grieves over their sin, their unwillingness to repent. He He's mourning over them. Wait a minute. Well, why is he being so blunt with them then? I mean, have you noticed how brutal the Apostle Paul has been with the Corinthian Christians? It's pretty harsh. You almost get the impression that he doesn't like them because of the way he's talking to them. But nothing could be further from the truth. The truth is that we speak truth in love because we love. Think of it this way. If Paul didn't love them, he would not bother. Are you kidding me? He wouldn't bother. Just go ahead. Be given over to your debauchery. I don't care. No, he loves them so much that his heart is broken because of them. That's compassion. I think oftentimes we get this impression of the Apostle Paul just being this mean, tough, gritty, guy, you know. But Paul had a very loving heart. And he loved these people. And that's why he was so heartbroken over their condition. One of the things that trials do is it gives us a much-needed love and caring heart for God's people. Trials just have have a way of breaking us. And that brokenness is beautiful in the sight of God. And it is humbling. And that's why Paul says that this is going to be so humbling. It's going to be so breaking. It's going to be so grieving. It's going to be so heartbreaking. It's because I love you. God has given me a love for you. The book of 2 Corinthians has much to teach us, but sadly that's all we have time for in today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Be sure to join us again, though, as Pastor J.D. Farag continues teaching his verse-by-verse study through the book of 2 Corinthians. In the meantime, you can find more messages from Pastor J.D. by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well and receive new messages as soon as they're available. You can also download our mobile app for iPhone and Android, and you'll always have teachings from God's Word right at your fingertips. You'll also want to check out Pastor J.D.'s Aloha Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. shares the current events and how they relate to the end-time prophecies described in the Bible. 
The purpose behind these updates is to take a practical look at the end times and how events occurring around the world coincide with biblical prophecy. Pastor J.D. hopes the information he provides stirs in us an urgency to share the gospel and make sure all have heard the good news of Jesus before he returns to judge the world. There's much to learn each week, and Pastor J.D. does a great job of getting us the information we need. You can find new and previous updates by going to our YouTube channel. Just search the Aloha Prophecy Update on YouTube. We hope today's message has touched your life and left you craving more from the Word of God. Join Pastor J.D. next time for another in-depth look at the book of 2 Corinthians, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Call me, me truth.